Amen. Good morning, second service. Woo! You know, was it just me, but did we have one day last week that kind of felt like fall is coming? Oh, it was nice. It was under 400 degrees. And I noticed that. I don't know about the rest of you. Uh, we, I want to say hello for those who are watching right now live and actually on the rest of this week because a lot of people who watch us are in uh, Hong Kong and the Philippines. Uh, Scotland is watching us right now at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. We just want to say thanks uh, for turning in and let us know that you're watching. We'd love to have more communication with you. So uh, this week <clears throat> I was um, listening. I, who has a flip phone? Okay, we had one in the first service. Um, guys, let me tell you, on your drive to work, home, wherever, go on Bible Gateway, put the app down, and you can just listen to chapters. And it's just incredible. Um, it's, it's a great, great, great way to hear books that you normally wouldn't read. And um, <clears throat> I was studying... And the way I'll do is, is, is I'll listen to it, then I'll go back and read it, then I'll listen to it, and I'll find something when I hear it, and I go back and I'll, I'll look up the words and do a study on it. Well, I was been doing a study in Hosea this last month, listening and reading, listening and reading, and there was just this one verse, the last half of a verse that just struck me, and this really has nothing to do with the message that we've been the messages we've been doing this month, but I just felt like the Lord was telling me that there's somebody in one of the three services, or there's a number of you, that need to hear this verse. See, people have the wrong idea about God. They'll say, oh, there's the loving God in the New Testament, and there's this vengeful God in the Old Testament. Well, the New Testament is found in the Old Testament. It's just spread all through the, the Old Testament. And there's a loving God in the Old Testament. The reason people think it's a, a, a vengeful God is that He's a just God, and whenever he had a nation that turned their back on him and uh, would worship other gods, and so he would hand them over to captivity, but he always took them back. And, and that's a part that you know a lot of people don't appreciate, but this is, I really believe this is for a few people, whatever it may mean to you, but it's in Hosea 11, 9, and it's the last two lines of the chapter, and it just sums up who God is. He goes, for I am God and not man. Some religions, that means he's all powerful, all mean, all just throw you in hell, burn you. But this is not what he's saying. He goes, for I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst. I will not come to you in anger or wrath. He comes in love. And the only, the only anger and wrath thing is, is those who have said they love him and turn away, who have taken his blessing and turned their back on him. But you need to know that God is not a man. Man gets angry and doesn't forgive. That's not God. So whoever that is for, enjoy, and allow the Lord to just brew that in you. So we, this is our last week on evangelism, and <clears throat> as you can see the title up there, is position, posture, and procedure. We're going to do it all. This is a big capsule. Uh, evangelism is a, a, big, a, a 
big, big, big subject. It's something that some people just don't understand, some people don't like, and some people just it gives them the hives. What I want us to do, we've done, we, we, we've looked at uh, how God feels about evangelism, how if we fall in love with God, we don't even notice that we are evangelizing. We're just talking about the one love in our life that we're just crazy about. And today we want to take a look at almost a political sense, that there is a, a position that God has given to every believer. There's a benefit of that position. There's a posture that you walk in when you have that position. And then it even tells us the procedure, how to walk that position out. For instance, there's a posture that we walk in if, we, if we're in a company and you are the maintenance guy. You know, you get a little brown shirt and it has, you know, Larry on it. You know, or, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, just you're going to look friendly and... And you walk in that posture. Now, if the boss comes up to you and he goes, hey, listen, I'm going on a long trip. <clears throat> I want you to be the president of the company for the next year. Are you going to show up Monday morning with Larry on your shirt? Or are you going to wear a different shirt? Are you going to walk in a little different? You're like, no. No, but it's demanding in a short period of time that you walk in the posture of confidence because people are looking to you for their answers. So when you're giving a position, it soon demands a posture. And so what we're going to see today is that God has given us, actually commanded us, a position. And if we accept it, we need to walk in that posture. Regardless of what job you have in this world, when you put that mantle on, when it's time to wear that mantle, it's going to demand a posture. Now, here's a, here's a, I'm going to put up an obscure verse. You've probably never seen it unless you've watched a football game. <clears throat> John 3.16. Anyone familiar with it? Watch a lot of football. I say, okay. But this is the, the verse that it gives us an expression of, of God's love for us. So let's read it together. You ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, when it says that God so loves the world, he is talking about a lost world. Didn't say, I so love those who believe in me. Now, Jesus, you know, he died for the sins of the world. Pretty blanket com comment there. And he says he loves the church that he, he's going to return for. He loves his bride. But nowhere can I find in the scriptures that it says that he loves anything else other than man. And not just man, fallen man. He loves man. So I looked up, you go, you know, go in your little Bible gateway and type in the word search, love. Put love and put angels, they don't come up together. It doesn't say that he loves angels. It doesn't say he loves nature. It doesn't say he loves birds. It doesn't, there's only one thing that I've found that says he loves, besides the church, the bride, and that's man. So I was talking with Crystal, and I go, 
I'm going to find out this week why God so loves man. He doesn't love anybody else. He likes it. He thinks that he may think it's beautiful. But I want to know why God loves fallen man. Wait, think of the most despicable person you know. I mean, yeah, okay, just one, okay, just one. And don't look at him. None of this. God loves that person, and there honestly is nothing to love about them. I know people that there is nothing, <laughs> there's nothing lovable about them. So I looked, and I looked, and there's a thread going this way, there's a thread going that way, there's a thread going that way, and you pull it all together, and it comes down to this. God cannot stand to look upon something that his, his image is on that is under the control of the devil. Did you hear that? We are created in his image. And when he looks down upon man, he sees his image. He sees his image under the control of a devil. He goes, I'm going to do everything to see that reversed. My image is not to be under the control of anyone. You see, he doesn't love the work of his hand. He loves his image. He didn't give his image to angels. He said, all the creation testifies of the glory of the Lord. That's, that's fine. He doesn't love it. That's the work of his hand. So he gives us a command that mankind is going to be given a job that his son had. And the way we know that someone is walking close to God is that they start loving the things that God loves. What does God love? Nature? No. You know what? I'm a good steward. Okay? I don't recycle because I think that, way. honestly, I, I really do believe it's, they have to buy fuel for the truck to come and pick up my paper. Uh, and then they have to use chemicals to turn the paper back into paper. You know what I do? I just start my fires at home with my paper. It's gone. It's gone. You know, I eat what I, I mean, I grow what I eat. Now, that's being a good steward. I don't love the land. I'm being a good steward that God has given me this land and the ability to grow and hunt and fish and all that kind of stuff. So being a good steward is, is different. God, to love the things that God loves, and God, I've only seen God loves one thing, and that's man. So to know that, you know that God and I are getting closer and closer, there. Is going to you're going to see in my heart actions where I love a man, a woman. Do you know that's what happens to people who open their home for small groups? Why would they disturb their family? Why would they take a night where they just allow people in their house and get it all dirty? 
It's because they're loving the thing that God loves. Man, to see man walk in its fullest, his fullest, to, to see marriages you know, restored, put together, children being loved and fathered and mothered and nurtured. That's what's happening. He says, why do you, because when people ask you, you go, well, why do you open your house? Why do you get, leave your house and go to this house on, on Wednesday night? Go, well, I don't know. It's because you love people too. Even ugly people. I mean, like, unlovable people, not ugly people, but unlovable people. <laughs> ugly manners. <laughs> because there's something that you're sharing that God does, and he loves people. So, <clears throat> the, the, we've got to be constantly reminded that, you know, the church, we have a divine position, and it's not getting blessed. Our divine position, our divine course is not to be blessed. It is to win souls. Let's take a look at this. Our divine position, it says it here in Corinthians, also in Romans chapter 5. All these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And what's that next line? And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Not the ministry of conciliation, Okay, making you one with God, but reconciliation because mankind was one with God in the garden. And that's why they call Jesus the second Adam. Because the first Adam was, you know, he was to be a part of mankind walking with God, but he forfeited his citizenship. He forfeited his citizenship in heaven. That's why here it says through Christ, we are remade into one. We are reconciled again to God. Well, I knew people going, I just want to find my ministry. <clears throat> Start with this one. This is for every believer. It said, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So here's what's happened. Jesus has come along, died for the world. You know what? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to count your trespasses against you. Okay? I died for everyone. Not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed us he committed us to the word of reconciliation. You have been committed in God to call back the people that God sees his image on and wants to be free from slavery. You see, they're not free from slavery until they recognize. Although, he said, you know what? If you come, I'm not holding anything against you. You just got to come and get a visa back to the land that you belong to. Who's traveled abroad? Like, like Russia. Did you ever have to get a visa? I know you had to get a passport, but people, you, some countries you got to get a visa to. And, <clears throat> and in the visa, they're not holding anything against you. They're, what they're trying to say is that, listen, you're going to obey the laws of the land, 
and you're doing everything correctly to get into the land. But to get a visa, if I wanted, if I wanted to go to Ukraine, I have to send off and get a visa to go to the Ukraine. I tell them who I am and that I would like to come. And then they tell me the rules that I have to abide by to get to the Ukraine or go to Russia or some other countries like that that require it. I have to get that visa. Well, the, the, the picture that we're going to paint here is getting that visa. In verse 20, it says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's the position. We're ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. Who's God making his appeal through? Us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's the appeal. We're begging you. Here's the definition of an ambassador. The definition, the highest ranking person who is in an an authorized representative or messenger of his or own gov- her, her own government while living in another country. You know, the Bible says that we are strangers. We are aliens here because we have a citizenship in heaven. But here's what Jesus said. You know what? In, in the Old Testament, all those scriptures that says, you know, you're an alien. You're living here as a stranger. You really don't belong here. You have a kingdom up there. Well, Jesus comes along and says, okay, alien, while you're here, I got a new position for you. Instead of just being an alien and lost and hiding in the bushes or whatever, you're going to be my ambassador. It's time for the church to stop being aliens and strangers and start becoming the appointed position that God said. He goes, you know what? I'm going, Jesus said, I'm going back to heaven. I now make you the ambassador. You represent your country in this foreign land. That's it. Now, when I was in Colombia, the president came out. It's the first time the president of Colombia has ever made... Uh, an appearance in such a big crowd. It was a conference because they usually get shot. But, <clears throat> boy, there was a lot of guns down there uh, protecting the president. So the president comes out, gives a great word. He's overwhelmed. There's so many, uh, so many foreigners there. So he goes, he goes, all you from America and England, stand up. We stood up. It was like a, this size of a group. He goes, you like my country? And everyone, yeah, you know. And he goes, well, raise your hand. We raised our right hand. And he says, okay, put in your name. And we said, hi, and I'm Mark Evans. He goes, I make you an ambassador for Colombia. Go and tell everyone how wonderful the country is and tell them they're free to visit. They just have to live by our rules. I said, okay, I'm an ambassador. And, and then he ended, he goes, without pay. Because, it's, you know, if you've ever gone to seen an embassy in other countries... Holy, I met the ambassador to Peru. You would think it was the Pope. I mean, he had servants. I, I went to the embassy itself. It was like a mile square in the middle of town. It was huge with a whole bunch of compounds and buildings on it. I mean, they are well taken care of. And it, it wasn't just a joke that the Colombian president, he really swore us in as ambassadors for Colombia to spread the good news about Colombia that it's safe to go down there. Uh, <laughs> I, may, may not, I may not be the best ambassador. <laughs> There's parts that are really nice. <laughs> but he made it clear that it was without pay. 
because ambassadors are paid. I believe people who take their position as an ambassador for your country, heaven, that God will take care of the needs to fulfill your mission. I want to be a paid ambassador. And if it means being a president of this corporation or the grass keeper or whatever, I, whatever, whatever it is to keep me in that position, whatever it takes, wherever I have to drive to share the wonderfulness of my country, I believe I'm going to be provided for somehow, that I'm going to be reimbursed. Amen? Because at the end of this, we're all going to become ambassadors, and I think it's going to come with a paycheck. It's going to come with a, an ability to do what God has. Why would God tell us to do this if he's not going to support the, the mission? So, well, <clears throat> there's the definition. We're strangers, aliens. Um, Alice, let me. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's huge. That's starting to point us into how we do this. You know, Jesus said he came to save the world, not condemn it. Jesus came that we might have life, not feel like we're this horrible person. And there's a fine line in how to do that. He has committed us to, Jesus Christ has committed us to this. Wow. So as an ambassador, that gives us a posture to walk in. So it doesn't matter, it doesn't really matter what job you have, where you are in this foreign land. If, if you're a nurse, if you're the groundskeeper, if you're the president of the company, you're walking in that. But the moment that it's time, you're in a position that you have to represent your country. You put on the mantle of the ambassador. You're not, oh, shucks. You're not apologizing. You are to represent with pride and confidence your country. Come and visit. When you go to other countries, it's strange to see them advertising, come to America. But we advertise overseas, and especially in South America. They, they advertise heavily overseas. You know, come to America, come to the Disney, come here, come here, do this. They're being paid by the embassy to run those commercials. They're confident. Posture and procedure, Matthew. Listen carefully. Jesus is getting ready to send out his disciples. Okay, he's getting ready to send out his disciples on a missionary trip. And he goes, listen carefully. And trust me, if Jesus says, listen carefully, you listen. You don't, you don't keep cutting up. Hey, you know, you're cutting up and talking in the back. You know, because, hey, shh, shh. Remember what he did with that whip thing. No, shh, let's listen. I was, he was being serious here. Listen, guys, listen carefully. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. I got a problem, coach. Uh, you don't send sheep out among wolves. Well, that's what he was doing. But in this verse, he says, if I'm going to send you out like a sheep among wolves, 
I'm going to send an AK-47 and three guards, right? And that what we're supposed to do. I'm going to send a bunch of dogs with you. He's not just, he is not just saying, hey, so be wise as servants. He is telling them, this is your defense system. This is what's going to protect you and cause you to be effective. This is how you survive. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. But wait a minute. So be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. We want to take a look at what that means. What, is it, what does the Bible mean when it says, you know, consider how wise serpents are? Well, number one is they don't make themselves obvious. I don't know. Does anyone love to handle snakes? But yeah, okay. We used to have, in fact, I uh, gave my grandson a red rat snake. I can, you can go out and pick up a red rat snake out of the wild, and they don't even strike. I mean, if you're gentle and you're confident and you don't move quickly and you're a little touched in the head, you can pick up. <laughs> no, they've bitten me many times, but it doesn't hurt at all. Um, in fact, we've lost them in our house many times. <laughs> I think we lost it in your house too, didn't we? So uh, he's had a few rats. <laughs> so a, a snake does not make himself obvious. The only time he'll make himself obvious is if he has to warm himself, he'll get on the road. But other than that, he doesn't make himself obvious. He's camouflaged. He, he's just there and you wouldn't even see it so many of you have stepped over snakes that you didn't even know if you've been in the woods they don't make themselves obvious so you know it says listen be wise as a serpent i'm going to send you out there to win the world but don't make yourself obvious blend in blend in don't stand up there and and make everyone feel bad even the christians are like oh Gosh, oh my. I'm not ashamed of the world, but you know what? When, when Jesus sent his disciples out, he said, don't be obvious. You're not a citizen here. But remember, Paul said, I've become all things to all men in hopes to win some. A serpent doesn't make itself obvious. They only strike at the right moment. Remember four weeks ago, you know, I used to tell you how we do surveys, like we're just doing a survey, but we're really trying to win people to the Lord. And, you know, we'd say, hey, is that seat saved? Are you? Yeah. Come on. It's like, I, 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 it, uh, no, what? I don't know what you mean. You know? No, I, I, I don't know if I'm saved, but I know that seat's not saved. It's confusing. It's, it's not the right moment. A snake strikes at the right moment. Now, in the Bible, it says there's one who waters and another reaps. There's one who plants, there's one who waters, and there's one who reaps. And the Bible says they are equal in their task. You see, like, well, I got 12 people saved today. You know what? It is just an equal task to say, I planted seven seeds today. 
I watered seven seats today. And then when the moment is right, can I pray with you? Would you like to come to my group? Would you like to attend the service? Somebody's got, has got to come out and just flat out say, now's the day of salvation. Now's the day of salvation. But it's got to be the right strike at the right time. Wise as serpents. Wise as serpents. Wonderful thing about a serpent is it, may t- it wants to maintain its peace. It does not go out looking for a fight. In fact, unless it's cornered, unless it feels endangered, it will turn and run. But when it's, in co- when it's cornered, guess what? It's not going to be cowardly. So I want you to know, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We don't go out looking for a fight. We don't go out looking for an argument. In fact, I'll turn away from an argument. I'll just go around it. I don't need to win this argument. Go around it and complete the work that God's called you to do. If this person believes that, just go around them and go on. And God will sort it out who's heard from the Lord. But we don't cower. God has given us a a mission and a position and a posture to walk in. Don't be so clever as to become deceptive. That's the balance to this. So doves, here we are. Now remember, this is the AK-47. If you're going to go out amongst wolves, this is what saves you. And this is what keeps other people, keeps people from coming, keeps them coming to the kingdom. Innocent like doves. Doves are absolutely gentle. I've had doves you know, just land on me in the wild. I, we, I've raised birds. Um, I, used, uh, I took uh, Joy, uh, Joy McCubbin and Sarah Swindell, my daughter. But Joy was always over there uh, in my house, so she was my daughter. So I took them to England with me on one of my trips. And in, I think it's Piccadilly Circus where all the pigeons land on you. Well, <clears throat> Sarah at that time was before children, and she had a germ-phobia thing. So I turned to Joy. I go, take Sarah right out in the middle. And no one goes out there because the pigeons attack you. I said, stand right in the middle and just stand there. I said, hold her so she can't get away. And so she goes, okay. So I went and got a bag of feed. They have a guy that sells right there. And they go out there. I'm going to take a picture. Back up, back up. (laughs) I even felt bad (laughs) I was laughing so hard because they just disappeared it was just the silhouette of pigeons (laughs) all over them and I could hear Sarah going ah ah (laughs) screaming Joy was laughing Joy are you in here I saw you earlier is that not true (laughs) so but after you Sarah's had three babies. She no longer has a germ problem. Uh, (laughs) So, gentle. Gentle as doves. You don't have to defend God. He's pretty good at that. And it represents moral purity. Basically, all it just sums up is don't have a, a selfish 
ambition with this. I'm going to be the biggest. I'm, I'm their leader. I'm that. No, there's no room for a self-serving attitude. If there is on the mission field as an ambassador, ambassador is found out to being having a self-serving attitude where he's at. He is, he is out of there. He's going to be embarrassed. But because of his actions, they're going to be found out. An ambassador's position is one that is a selfless position. It's not, you don't go to be an ambassador to make money. Usually these are usually wealthy people already. They said, you know, I can just walk away from my business for the next couple of years to be an ambassador for my country. It's a selfless position. There's, <clears throat> if uh, any, of, any of you are looking for a great devotional, there's, it's called Morning and Evening with Spurgeon. It's a great little, just a little thing for the morning, a little thing. And Chris and I read it every morning together. And so I had finished this message Friday, and this was, uh, this was Friday's morning. And I said, what are the chances that, that we're reading this devotional from Spurgeon that he wrote in the 1800s on the day that I had finished my message? And this is exactly the picture that God has given us. He would just take one verse, and this day, that day was uh, Mark. Immediately, the entire crowd saw Jesus. They were amazed and began running up to greet him. And so what he did is, is he takes it, and he goes, there was a time where Elijah went off for 40 days. There was a time where Moses went up to the mountain, and they went through a tra transfiguration. But it was different. And he writes, how great the difference between Moses and Jesus. When the prophet Elijah had been 40 days upon the mountain and underwent a kind of transfiguration so that his countenance shone with exceeding brightness and he put a veil over his face. For the people could not endure to look upon his glory. Not so with our Savior. He had been transfigured with a greater glory than Moses and yet... It is written that the people were blinded by the blaze of his countenance, but rather they were amazed. And running to him, they, were wel they welcomed him. The glory of the law repels, but the greater glory of Jesus attracts. And Jesus, and, and this is what we're doing. We want to walk into that glory. You see, before the cross, the glory of God and man couldn't handle it. But after, with Jesus, there's a different glory. The law was telling you what's wrong with you to make sure that you knew that you couldn't keep it. But Jesus comes along and says, I've taken care of it. I don't hold this against you. You just have to get a new visa. And it's our job as ambassadors to see that you get that visa. Miles Monroe, uh, actually, I can call him a friend. He's passed away. But he was trying to get a visa to get to a certain country. His had run out. And when he went to the embassy, the person who worked there recognized him, a high official. He goes, you're Miles Monroe. I see you on TV every Sunday. You're Miles Monroe. Come on back. Here. I'll, he goes, I need a new visa. Come back here. Come back here. You are such a great man. You are such a great preacher. I've got all your books. Blah, blah, blah. You're wonderful. And at the end of it, he goes, fill out this paper. 
It's the same requirements, regardless who you are, to get back into the country. There is one Lord, one Redeemer. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, who died on the cross for our sins and was buried in the third day rose. Now he sits at the right hand of God the Father, ever interceding for us. And he says, I hold no trespass, no sin against anyone. You just got to get a visa. You got to come through me. That's it. And we've been given the responsibility to be that ambassador, to represent heaven. Not the, not the glory of the lawgiver, but the glory of the one who says, come. That people ran to. I want to walk in that glory. I want to be the one who's as sharp as a serpent and gentle as a dove. It says people run to that glory. And so that will be the anointing on us. So here's the question. Who will stand and raise their right hand and take an oath of ambassador today? Because I'm about to give it to those who want to. You want to stand? Give all right, so it just if you want if you want me to swear you in as an ambassador, and I'm believing that that <clears throat> the Secretary of State is gonna see that you're well funded for your mission. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. So all those ambassadors who want to get sw sworn in today? Ah now when I say fill in the blank, fill it in with your name. Don't when I say fill in the blank, don't go fill in the blank. Okay. <laughs> You've got to get sworn in. And I can do this because I am an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ and the, at Columbia. <laughs> okay, I fill in the blank. Very good. Do accept this position. To be an ambassador of heaven. To represent Jesus Christ. To call people to reconciliation. They can return to the country that they are meant for. I accept the responsibility. I will walk with that mantle on my back. I will honor this position as I honor the one who gave it to me. And I believe I will be provided for as I take this message out there, help me to represent heaven well. Okay, for the power invested in me, I, I send you out as smart as a serpent and as gentle as a dove to represent your country as you live here as aliens and foreigners. May the Lord bless you. Give the Lord a great hand. Thank you, Lord. Woo!